mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 12. John chapter 12, as we continue through the good news according to John. Of course, now last week when we closed, we closed with the chief priest plotting the death of Jesus. They're plotting the death of Jesus, and they've decided that one man has to die in order to save their power, their place, and their nation. And listen to me. What are you plotting in life? See, you're either plotting the death of Jesus or you're plotting life itself. Listen, what do I mean? Well, the word plotting there means this. It means to advise. Listen, it means to advise. It means to deliberate. It means to resolve. It means to consult or take counsel. Well, listen, they've taken counsel among themselves and they've left God out of it and they've come up with a plan that they are going to kill Jesus. Death culture. Listen, what are you plotting? Are you plotting to kill Jesus or are you plotting to have life with Jesus? Whatever your counsel is, whatever you're listening to, that's what you're going to do. Our memory verse last week, Proverbs 19, 20. Hear counsel, receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter days. We're supposed to always be growing, plotting life. God is a God of life. And if you're not plotting and deliberating and coming before him in the word, prayer, and fellowship, gathering with others, and literally getting counsel of life, then you're plotting death and you don't even know it because you're on the enemy's team. You're either with him or you're against him. You're either gathering with him or you're scattering. There's no other place to be. But see, a lot of times we like to think, oh, no, I'm okay. I'm, I'm a little indifferent. I'm not a Jesus freak like you, Greg, but I did say a prayer and I do believe in Jesus. Listen, listen, what you believe comes out in what you're plotting what you're deliberating about, what your advice is, how you talk, how you live, what you're pursuing in life. You're either plotting to kill Jesus or you're listening for his voice and you're coming out of the grave like Lazarus did, whom God helps. There's no other place to be. There's no middle ground in the kingdom of God. Either you're being living in death culture or you're looking to live life and that more abundantly because Jesus has called you out of the grave. He's rolled away the stone and now you're beginning to follow him and have fellowship with him. And where does that fellowship end at? At a table with him. 
the wedding supper of the Lamb, chapter 12 of John, opens after Lazarus comes out of the grave. And the other religious people, they're playing to kill Jesus. But where's Jesus at? He's in the house. Listen, he's in the house. They're having a meal at a table. They're having fellowship. See, God started this book, his ministry. Jesus started his ministry. Where was he at? Cana of Galilee at the heathen circle at a wedding. What did he do, Greg? Oh, I'm glad you asked. There was six water pots there, six of them, the number of man. They were empty. He filled them with water and he put the new covenant in them for you and I. And we're going to walk out of the grave and fellowship with him and live life with him and stop plotting the death. death. Whose death, Greg? In many cases, when you, sin against, when you sin against God, you're sinning against your own soul. So you're plotting your own death, your own demise. Christ has come to give us life. And when you hear his voice, you come out of the grave and you follow him. And you plot, how can I get your counsel? You're plotting your life around following Jesus, being in the word, prayer, and fellowship. This is the counsel. Do you hear his voice? Are you looking to follow him because all the other voices are there to deceive you, to turn in here, turn in here. Oh, you'll have a better time in this relationship. you have a better time at this job. It'll be better over here. And it's all going back into the grave. It's all plotting the death of Jesus in your life. If you're not busy with plotting to live for him and set at a table with him, listen, Church, the Ecclesia, the called out ones, Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Your heart's door. It's death or life. Choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord our God. And he knocks and he says, if anyone will hear my voice, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. That's the fellowship. That's the counsel. That's what we need to hear. Is he, are you having a meal with the Lord Jesus and plotting life? How do I get to heaven? I'm following life himself who's seated in heaven. Sadly, by the time we get into chapter 13, we see what Psalms, and this is your homework, Psalms 41. By sake of time, I'm not going to read it all, but 41.9, what does it say? This is a Psalm of David. David writes this psalm. It's actually an amazing psalm about taking care of the poor, about God. And then um, in chapter, or excuse me, 41.9, he says, Even my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. Listen to me. It's a very important verse. He's speaking of Judas Iscariot. He's speaking of Judas. We're going to see him in this chapter where his heart is at. He's seated at the table. He's there. He's eating bread. He's having fellowship with Jesus. He says he believes in him, but he's plotting his own life. He's plotting his own death. He's plotting how he can get money. He's plotting how he can keep doing what he wants to do instead of going in the way of life. Anytime you are plotting and deciding and chasing this world, you're chasing the grave. You can be sitting at the table with Jesus and never give your heart to him. Listen to me. Judas 
goes out in chapter 13 and it's night. It's dark. He sells out for 30 pieces of silver. He's been plotting his own selfish life, pursuing his own thing. We'll see that. I'll talk about it more when we get to that point. What are you plotting? Life or death? Listen to me. You're like, oh, I'm just going, I'm just doing what? Yeah, you're just doing. You need to be purposeful with this. You need to say, Lord Jesus, I'm being deceived. Lord Jesus, I believe in you. Lord Jesus, will you speak to me and help me? Give me a desire to plot out life and sit at the table with you and answer the door, hear your voice and follow you. Don't just believe the spirit of Antichrist that's been sent out to deceive the elect if it were possible. Be involved with life. Today is the day for salvation. Today is the day for salvation. You're either lifting up your heel against him or you're doing what? Remember Saul of Tarsus? We've talked about this. Remember Saul? He had letters. He was being trained by the religious authorities, these same ones that killed Jesus later. He was being trained by him. He was learning from them. And what did he do? He's going to Damascus oldest city on the planet. He's going there to arrest and put in prison and many will be killed. And he meets Jesus. He shines light into his grave, into his darkness, into his death, into his religion. And he says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Who art thou, Lord? He said, I am Jesus of Nazareth. It's hard for you when you kick against the goads. See, God's trying to bring you into fellowship with him. He's shining light into your grave. And, and he says, what does he do? He says, oh, well, I'm busy right now, Lord. Oh, well, I got some stuff to do right now, Lord. Listen, he's got a choice. Keep lifting up his heel or say, what would you want me to do, Lord? And he's told to go into the city. And he goes into Annas' house. It's, it, it, Annas is a great name. Annas is actually the true high priest right now in our text. Yet they're listening to Caiaphas, the lying spirit from the Chaldeans. They're listening to Caiaphas, who is appointed by Rome, which means strength. It's the strong government around that's appointing somebody to speak to you, and it's not the voice of God. And if you listen to Caiaphas... You'll choose your own power and pomp in your own place. You'll choose to save your nation instead of save your own soul. You'll choose to have fellowship with the counsel of the world instead of hear the voice of God who died for us. This is serious stuff. When God opens a banqueting table and he prepares it before the, you for you in the presence of your enemies, David said, and then we still lift up our heel against him and say, I don't have time right now, Lord. Serious, this is about eternity. This is not about next week. This is not about paying your rent. This is not about your physical life. This is about the soul that's going to live in eternity. And what are you still plotting about? Surrender today and eat at the Lord's table. He leads them out. Let's look at it. Let's read it. Let's, let's, let's enter into this because there's only death, culture, and life. And we continue to go in and listen to death culture. That's what they're doing. They're plotting the death of Jesus. Are you plotting life? 
He's here to give it to you. He's life himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now notice 12.1 of John. Then, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. Then they made him a supper. And Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said... Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and he had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. Now a great many of the Jews knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests plotted to put Lazarus to death also, because on account of him many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. Let's stop and pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for for raising us from the dead and shining your light into our darkness and letting us hear your voice so that we can follow you out of the grave and we can have life in that more abundantly. Lord, help us to quit looking into the grave for our counsel and to begin to look up, to seek your face your favor. Speak to us, Lord. Help us to receive with meekness the implanted word for the saving of our soul. Give us a desire to set down and enjoy the bread of life. And then, Lord, give us your spirit so that we can go out and become doers and not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. Lord, help us to plot life. You've already given it to us. Help us to be purposeful with it. Help us to walk in the newness of life. Help us to be led by your spirit so we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Pour out your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's look. Then six days, number of men. It's six days. It's actually the ninth of Nisan. Now, I'm a man, so I was writing it and counting it, and I was going, wait a minute, when is this? It's it's the month of Abib, the month of Nisan. It's the first month of the Jewish calendar that they would have. And how do we know what day it is? Because it's six days before the Passover, which is the Passover that's recorded in Exodus 12. And we know that the Passover is going to happen at twilight on the 14th of Nisan. Now, I was reading the text. I was studying the text. I counted it up on my fingers. And I go, oh, it's the 8th of Nisan. And then I got to verse 12, and it says, the next day. And I said, well, wait a minute. If the next day he rides into town, we know that on the 10th of Nisan, they choose him. And we'll get to that text some other time. But right now, so we have to know that it's the 9th of Nisan. We can put this on the calendar. 
We can put it on the calendar, people, that Jesus was on the calendar fulfilling the Passover festival. He's there on purpose. His ministry has moved away from the nation. He's coming to fulfill the Passover festival. We're getting ready to see the, this week that they call the Holy Week where they question him. But first, what is he doing? He begins at a wedding, and now he's at a house. He's seated at a table with the family. He's bringing them together in a family to have a meal together because he's come and knocked on their door and now they're listening and there's a fragrance of oil oil is always the holy spirit listen to me over in second corinthians chapter three you see that you and i are the fragrance of something to people if you know jesus and you have the holy spirit then you become a fragrance of christ to those who are perishing they smell death to those who are alive they smell life you're plotting one or the other. You're plotting death if you're ignoring Jesus and his word and your walk with him as you follow him out of the grave and into the heavenlies. Or you're plotting life as you spend time with him and you cry out to him and you dig in the word of God and you begin to become a doer and not a hearer only because you're a believer priest that's being fitted together as a holy nation and you're enjoying that life today and you're going out and you become that fragrance to somebody else. That's amazing. And it's all because of the Holy Spirit because He's opened our eyes to see the blood of Jesus as paid for us and that we no longer have to live in death culture and listen to this lying world that lies to us every step of the way. How do you know when they're lying? When they're talking is the old joke and it's true. Their counsel always leaves God out. Death culture is always plotting to kill Jesus because they want you to follow them and believe they are God and believe that they are going to give you life. And it's only going to end back in the grave where you've always been. Come out from among them. Stop listening to their counsel. Hear the voice of God and walk out of the grave. Get involved and help loosen the grave clothes of others so that they won't continue to bury themselves. Their life chasing this that's going to burn, that's not going to give them anything but leave gravel taste in their mouth. Oh, it tastes good at first. Then you start feeling like, oh, I've been eating sand because you're not building on the rock. You're building on sand Six days before the Passover, Jesus knows he's getting ready to go into Jerusalem. And they're going to say, Hosanna, Hosanna. And then they're going to question him. And then they're going to crucify him. Then he's going to die and he's going to raise again. He knows all of these things. And where's he back at? He's at a table. Now, don't get confused because the tables today got big, long legs on them. And we sat in a chair. That's not the way they would recline then. They would literally lay on one arm or on their side and they would eat with one hand because they wiped their butt with the other hand. And you didn't eat with everybody, you only, your, only your familiar friends. I know that sounds crazy, but we need to get real with the gospel. See, we want to act like it's the same as it was today and everybody's clean and neat and they all take showers. They didn't even have running water. They didn't have a sanitation department to come and coddle them and hauled their stuff off every week, if you remember, to put it out. We are such a spoiled people that we plot death and we think it's okay to be comfortable in a grave. 
It's okay to be comfortable behind enemy lines where the enemy's robbing and killing and destroying us. And the only way out of this grave is to hear his voice and follow him. But Greg, if I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, I shall be saved. Yeah, the question is, is do you believe that? Where's the evidence at? Are you following? I've said this a million times. You can't go someplace and apply for a job and they go, you're hired. You're what we've been looking for. Well, not really, but since you're here and we don't have anybody else, we'll take you. And then you don't show up and you think you're going to get a paycheck? Think about that for just a, a little bitty moment that you think you're going to reap the rewards of working when you haven't even showed up. We all need to think about this. We haven't even stepped out of the grave in many cases, and we think we're saved because of a lying spirit that says all you have to do is approach an altar and say one prayer. The proof is in the evidence of what you plot after you believe in Jesus. See, believe is what's in Romans 10, 9, and 10. But what did Jesus say? Jesus said, repent. So if you believe in Jesus, you have to believe his first word that he spoke in the beginning was repent. Metanoia, change your mind, change your direction. You cannot keep doing what you've always been doing and think you're going to heaven. No more than you can stay at the job you're at and think you're starting a new one tomorrow. I'm just going to keep going to the same address I've been going, but i got a new job. Really? You never showed up. It's deception. It's plotting death. It's putting darkness and scales over your eyes and pretending like you're okay. Walk in the newness of life by the power of the Spirit. Begin to fellowship with people who are listening to the Holy Spirit, who have the oil of gladness, who have the fragrance of life. Open your eyes. Don't be deceived by this crooked and perverse generation. Let's pray. Did we pray yet? I want to pray again. Father, thank you. We pray that you would shut down any distraction, anything that would keep our soul from hearing your voice, anything that would keep us from coming out of the grave as Lazarus did. Anything that would keep us from sitting down, being still, and having fellowship with you, we pray, Lord, that that today would be removed and you would help us to plot life, to plot our path in following you onward and upward to Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You never pray enough. Six days before the Passover, where does Jesus do? He comes to Bethany. Jesus means, of course, um, the Lord's salvation. Uh, Jehovah is salvation. Hebrew for Joshua. And then he comes to Bethany, which is a date house. Listen, there's a date and a time that God has appointed for all men to be judged. We read about it the other day in Acts 17. Listen, there's a date. It also means uh, house of dates or house of misery. And Jesus comes to your misery. 
He says, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He comes down here to this place of the grave, and he sets down at the table, and he offers life. And we have a choice how we're going to live. So he's at Bethany where Lazarus, now remember Lazarus means whom God helps. Listen, all of us need God's help. Not just to get to the altar and say that first prayer, but the rest of the way out of this grave, all the way into heaven. He's a light to our path and a lamp to our feet. You can't just stop right here and go, I'm in the spotlight. I'm a star. They got the light on me. Everybody look at me. No, you need to look at Jesus and follow that light into heaven. Don't stop with one prayer. Be dependent upon him. Be in fellowship with him. Breaking bread with him. Whom God helps. Old Testament Eleazar. One who comes alongside to help. So we see the Holy Spirit's the one that is present in the life of Lazarus who come out of the grave turn it around whom God helps now you flip it over and he comes out of the grave he has been dead here's his testimony what's your testimony same as it was before you met Jesus same as it was before you went forward at some church and said a prayer at the altar has it altered your life at all listen to me this is a clear testimony that's given by the Holy Spirit that Lazarus was once dead you're going to see it in a minute when they plot to kill him because they know he was dead and his life is different. He's living life now. It's different. People come to see him because of what's going on. Whom he had raised from the dead, we're told. So double witness right there. He was dead. He was dead. God raised him from the dead. Didn't resurrect him. He raised him in the same body. From the dead. Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. Nobody can rise until Jesus rises and, and gets a new body, a glorified body. Verse 2 There they made him a supper. What are you making for Jesus? And what's going on? Well, let's look at our characters again. Martha. Remember, Martha means she was rebellious. Martha, she served. But Lazarus, whom God helped, was one of those who sat at the table with him. He's enjoying a meal with him. Remember, he's the one coming out of the grave. Then what happened, Greg? Mary, her name means their rebellion. Remember where we always find her? At the feet of Jesus. Mary, she took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard. Nard is some root that they squeezed the oil out of from India or something. It was very costly. It wasn't really, it says a pound, but the, really the word means about 12 ounces. So, and anointed the feet of Jesus. And wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Now, there's some pretty deep stuff here. I don't know how much we're going to be able to draw out of it. But 
Notice Lazarus is eating a meal, reclining with Jesus, resting with Jesus. He's come out of the grave. He's heard his voice, and now he wants to fellowship with him. Martha is serving. She used to be rebellious, but now she's actually serving. She's not complaining anymore, saying, Lord Jesus, why is Mary doing that? And I'm over here serving by myself. Remember, that's where she was before. And the house is full of the Holy Spirit because God's people in his family at his table have the Holy Spirit. And they know that they're supposed to serve. They know that they were rebellious. They know that it all begins at Jesus's feet. Then you can rest at the table with him. Listen to me. Where does Mary start at? At his feet. You begin at his feet. You begin worshiping at his feet. She's worshiping. She's adoring him. One is serving. The other is sitting at a table resting with him. All three things happen in the character of a man or woman of God. You don't, just, you don't just come out of the grave. I said a prayer. Now I get to go live in the graveyard and run around with the dead and say what I want, do what I want, live what I want. You've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus. And if the Spirit of God is in you, the Spirit of God is going to cause you to anoint Jesus' walk as your walk now. See, head is power and the hair's on the head and you're washing the feet of Jesus with your hair because of your rebellion. You see the salvation that's there and you begin to worship and adore and look for and be interested in his walk. What did he do? How did he live? When the man of God looks into the word of God and sees the son of God, he's transformed by the spirit of God into the image of God for the glory of God. We're looking for what Jesus did because the Holy Spirit in us is making us look like him to the world. Is, is changing us into love itself. Love incarnate was Jesus. God is love. And it looks like joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And it's a process of growing. Positionally, you're there. Practically, what are you plotting in life? Are you plotting to join with God in your sanctification, in your transformation, so that you can be a witness? What happens is we see it in the chapter. If you're doing that, then they're going to come and try to kill you. Death culture will come after you. Believe me, you will not be a friend of the world. It, it being friendship with the world is enmity against God. If you're a friend of the world, then you're an enemy of God. You can only be one or the other. You can be God's friend or you can be the world's friend. You can't be both. And your heart has to be decided. It's decided by the oil. It's decided by what you choose. It's decided by the decisions you make and whose table you're eating at. And he comes to deliver that to us. And he speaks and leads us out of the grave. And then he says, help one another to understand this through the gifting that I've given you. Whether it's service, whether it's teaching, whether it's speaking gifts. There's only service and speaking gifts. And it's all used for the ministry of the reconciliation of souls. But we've been lied to and told that we can say a prayer and then live any way we want. Eat at any table. What fellowship does the church have with Baal? What fellowship does light have with darkness? Paul would say to the church at Corinth. 
You can't eat at the devil's table and say, oh boy, I'm plotting life. I'm doing good. I get to go to heaven. It's hurting you. It's destroying you. It's killing you. It makes you not understand the voice of God and you live in confusion, which is Babylon. And that's exactly what the devil wants. Well, which voice is right? Well, which church is right? Well, which one? Jesus is right. He's true. He's the life. Quit listening to men and begin to desire to listen to his voice. And if you don't desire it, ask him. Draw near to him. He'll draw near to you. But quit being like a dog that goes back to his vomit. That ends in death. That's the graveyard. That's the graveyard. Life changes. Everywhere you look in the Bible, life changes when they meet Jesus. They either decide to plot to kill him and they go away, or they decide to follow him. There's only two ways. We can't go on in confusion and delusion and live this way. What are you serving? What are you serving to Jesus when he comes to your house? Death? Nothing good dwells in the flesh. If you're not surrendering to the work of his spirit, you're serving death at the table. Are you anointing his walk? The feet of Jesus. That's all. The feet is always about walk. And think about this for a minute, because if we get to 13, he's going to wash all of their feet. That's what he offers in salvation, is to wash your feet. That's a positional salvation, where your walk is now washed, but now you have to practically walk it out. We'll talk about it when we get there. But right now we're in chapter 12. And see, we're in between the grave and him washing the feet. And there has to be a decision. What am I plotting for? Is it death or life? What do I really want? Do I still kind of believe the world and think that if I go get their education and their paycheck and their house and their car and their two and a half kids, that things are going to be fine? That's death culture. That's indoctrination of death culture. Or am I coming back underneath the authority of the word of God in the house of God to do things according to the spirit of God who has been put in me to help me see the truth of God for the glory of God? Because that's what we're supposed to be doing is glorifying God with the life that we live. Our testimony should be, I was once dead, but now I live. I was once blind, but now I see because the light of the world has shined into my darkness and I'm following him out of the grave. And now I want to put other people first and begin to unwrap them, to tell them about Jesus so they can be involved in this family that I now am involved in. Let's go back and look. See, because the kings of the world, they want to kill everybody. Let's go back to, uh, um, where am I going? Tell me, somebody. First Samuel, 2 Samuel, chapter 9. 
Second Samuel chapter 9. I want you to see this in the Old Testament. I want you to see it in the foundational truths. I want you to see it in, and I can't even do justice of this. I was, I was reading this and my brain started popping. I don't know if you guys have ever been reading the Word of God and your brain just starts exploding because there's so much spirit there and information there and knowledge there and truth there and foundational that my brain, my little bitty finite brain cannot even go with it. Because the riches of God's truth are in it. Now let me set you, let me just set the, the, the scene for you. And if you've been reading through with us, you've read this. And David has come to the throne. God has killed Saul. Death of the king that was anointed by the flesh, a king after God's own heart, or excuse me, a king after man's heart. And now David is on the throne which is a king, a man after God's own heart, right? That's who David is. It means beloved or loving. He's a type of Christ when he's living rightly and following God. Remember, every type and every picture and every testimony in the Old Testament only points to the perfect God who's going to come and die for us. But the king comes, and he's king in Hebron for seven years, and then they bring him and they make him king in Jerusalem teaching peace for 33 years. So he lives 40 years, which is the number of judgment. And that's what Jesus did for us. He came, though, and he did it in the reverse because he was right side up. He was here for 33 years, right? 33 years as a man. Then he died. But he's coming back, and the day of the Lord is going to be seven years, and it's going to be the number of judgment again. When he pours out his wrath on the synagogues of Satan, on the enemies of the cross, and it's going to add up to judgment before the millennial kingdom, a thousand-year reign starts. Because man is always upside down, proving that they can't govern themselves, that they need to die. They need to be dining at the Lord's table, eating the bread of life, or they're going to die. They're going to run back into the grave. They're always going to kill themselves because they want to make a name for themselves, Tower of Babel. What were they worried about? We got to make a name for ourselves or we're going to be scattered. No, it was upside down because you tried to make a name for yourself. God came down and gave you grace and scattered you throughout the whole land. And you couldn't understand. And we talked about this Friday night. Get the tape. It's on Rumble. We're canceled from Facebook or YouTube. I get that stuff all mixed up. I don't even pay attention to it. Um, because of truth. The world doesn't want truth. That's why you need to plot to find out truth. Because they're plotting to kill you. The enemy comes to rob, kill, and destroy. David's on the throne. What does David do? He does the opposite of what other kings do. See, when a king would come to the throne, I don't care if he was your brother. The king, you know what he would do? Because he was so afraid that his name wouldn't be the greatest. He was so afraid that somebody would plot against him. He was so afraid of death and losing his power that he would turn around and kill everybody else that could even come and claim the throne. See, that's what the devil's trying to do, trying to kill King Jesus, who became our kinsman redeemer. And he bought back the throne with his perfect life, with his blood, He's now the head over all principality and power. He now has all authority in heaven and on earth. And he's now given us a command to go and do the ministry of reconciliation of souls. And it has to begin at his feet. It has to begin with the Spirit of God. 
and the word of God, eating at the table of God, even though we're in the presence of our enemies, he's got us. And so King David, beloved, instead of wanting to kill all of his enemies, let's open chapter 9. I want you to see it. 2 Samuel chapter 9. Don't get lost. Watch what David does because he knows the Lord. He's a man after God's own heart. He's not trying to kill everybody else around him and make a name for himself. He's trying to make them better. He wants them to be reconciled to God and eat at the king's table. David said, is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul? Remember, Saul was the king that's been chasing David and trying to kill him. That I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake. Are you with me? You guys still with me? Say hello if you're here. Are you with me? Listen to me. 2 Samuel 9.1 Saul means desired. See, Saul desired to make a name for himself. He ignored God's voice. He ignored God's counsel. He's setting up his own kingdom. And kindness here means goodness or favor. Loving kindness, merciful kindness. Listen to me. Why would David want to show loving kindness to the enemy? Because he's a type of Christ. We're all enemies with God. None righteous, no, not one. And God comes down and says, it's my goodness that brings men to repentance. I want you to see my goodness and my kindness, my merciful kindness. And I want you to come. Why? Because of Jonathan. Which means who Jehovah gives. It's a type of the grace of God. John means God's gracious gift. Jonathan, Jehovah given. He gives his kindness to us. And it should lead us to repentance. So the king comes looking. He's saying, where are they? He's searching for people who would receive his kindness. He wants to show mercy to them. And again, all the other kings, they want to kill. We just finished 2 Kings. What happened with Zedekiah? Zedekiah, who rebelled against the, uh, Nebuchadnezzar. What happened to him? Now, he didn't die, but he just might as well have died. What did they do? They, they pulled him before him at, at Jericho, and they killed every one of his family right in front of him. The last thing he seen with his eyes was all of his family dying. And then they put his eyes out and blinded him. See, that's what the devil wants to do to you. He wants to kill everybody around you. Put your eyes out so you can't see no spiritual truth. But God has come to give you kindness and goodness with his grace. He wants you to see his truth and come and eat at his table. Sorry, I'm a little loud today. Verse 2. And there was a servant of the house of Saul. Notice who he's a servant of, whose house he's of, because it's going to tell you his character later. And he just wants to impress and hang out and pretend. And his name was Ziba. Now it's important that you understand this. Ziba means statue. Ziba means station. Station. And there's people that are stationed in the church. And they're a statue in the church. They're an idol in the church. That's what Saul did. Made idols. Statues of himself. And he wasn't serving God. Ziba is this type because later Ziba, he's pretending now, but you know what he's going to do later? His real heart will come out and he steals Mephibosheth's inheritance. 
Because he's in the house of Saul, which is the house of Antichrist, which is the house of the devil who comes to rob, kill, and destroy. But he's waiting for his time. And he waits until Absalom tries to steal the kingdom, the Antichrist, type of Antichrist. And then he comes in and he tells David a lie and speaks against Mephibosheth. It'll be important here in a minute. But Ziba, he's not, he's a type of Judas Iscariot. He's a type of Antichrist. He's a liar. He's in Saul's house. Don't forget that. Because there's people counseling you right now. You're listening to them. And they don't have the spirit of God. They're still in the world. And you listen to them. You turn on your TV and you listen to them. You turn on your radio and you listen to them. You turn on your phone and you're listening to these liars that have nothing to do with Jesus the King. They're not telling you to dine at his table and eat his bread. They're telling you, we got to go fight. We got to win this. You got to get registered. You got to vote. We're going to save this world and kill Jesus. Isn't that what they were doing in John chapter 11? We got to save our place. We got to kill Jesus to save our nation. It's nothing new under the sun. Wake up and get involved with saving souls by being at the feet of Jesus, eating at his table, and stop living in the tombs. So look, Ziba, so when they called him to David, here comes Ziba to David, he's got a choice, how am I going to live? He pretends, he ends up lying later to David with his life to steal his inheritance, he's going to end up with no garment because he's a servant of Saul, he's not a servant of David. Are you Ziba? He said, at your service, liar. I'm just telling you, he's lying to David. He's lying to the king. Are you lying to the king? I believe in you. I want to sit at your table. I'm coming out of the grave. I'm at your service. And the whole time, your mind hasn't changed. Your direction hasn't changed. You still have a heart to desire to get the inheritance that the world gives. Watch this. Then the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? Listen, that's what you and I need to be about. We want them to see the kindness of God, the goodness of God that leads men to what? Repentance. Not leads men to believe. Everybody's born believing. But are you going to repent and change your mind? Listen to me. Repent is the first word of the gospel. Change your mind. Change your direction. Ziba said to the king, there is still the son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. Isn't that amazing? He's lame in his feet. We read about it. Why is he lame in his feet? When Saul was dying, the servant of Saul picked up Ziba and took off running and fell down and broke his feet. Broke his walk. See, we're talking about a walk here because we're, we're choosing the walk of Jesus. We're wash, washing the feet of Jesus. We're choosing to anoint him as king and his walk is true. And I believe your truth and I want to follow you out of the grave. But here's a servant that was trying to do it some other way and was carried and he's lame in his feet. Now you need to know that lame in the, or in the Hebrew is the word nake. It's not naked, but it's close. It's N-A-K-E. And, and, and to be fair with all, it's nake, but it's N-A-K-E. It just freaked me out when I seen it. But I had to check and see how it's pronounced, and I said, okay. Uh, but it means maim. It means dejected. 
It means contrite. Uh, it means smitten or stricken. Let me just read to you Isaiah 66. This will take a minute for me to actually uh, completely bring this to a place where you can understand. So bear with me. Stay with me. Ask the Holy Spirit to, to help you receive it. In chapter 66 of Isaiah, last chapter, 66. Um, it's interesting that 666, 666 is the sound of the noise from the city, a voice from the temple, the voice of the Lord who fully repays his enemies. Judgment, 666, number of man. But I want you to see verses 1 and 2, and you can read the rest later and bring it into context by the power of the Holy Spirit. Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build me, and where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hand has made. See, it all belongs to the Lord. And all those things exist, says the Lord. But on this one will I look. You want God's favor? You want to be at his table? On him who is poor and of a contrite spirit, a lame spirit, a smitten spirit, a dejected spirit, maybe from the house of dates or the house of misery, and who trembles at my word. Does the word of God bother you? Do you? Are you working out your salvation with fear and trembling? Are you coming to him knowing that you are dejected? That you are a dog? Oh, it'll make sense in a minute. Let me get to it. Do we understand that we're sinners and that there's none righteous? We don't deserve to be at the king's table. if we are at his table and we're not still plotting death. So he's lame. There is the son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. How? We see that over in um, chapter 4. We're not going to go there. You can read it later. So the king said to him, here's the king speaking with Zebub, where is he? See, God's worried about where we're at. He wants to show kindness, and he's looking for those that would listen. He didn't just say a couple things and then forget about it. He literally is on a mission to save the lost. So he says, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, indeed, he is in the house of Makur, the son of Emil in Lodabar. Let me, let me tell you this. Mercur means sold. He's been sold into slavery of sin because of Adam. That's how he's lame in his feet. None righteous. And it means to sell a daughter in marriage or into slavery. It means to sell oneself or to give oneself up. And Emil means my kinsman is God, the people of God. Lo Debar means not a pasture. 
It's not a pasture. It's not a place to eat. Sold into slavery. It's not a place where life is going to be. You're not getting fed well. Listen to me. Because if you're still in the world and God's your kinsman and you're still eating in the world where death is at, you need to come to the Lord's table. He's searching for you. He's wanting you to eat the bread of life. He's wanting you to hear his counsel. He's wanting you to receive instruction that you'll be wise later so you can tell others who he is and they can come and be saved. The ministry of reconciliation of souls. Then the king sent and brought him out of the house of Makur, where he was sold to, the son of Emil from Lodibar. He, he sent and brought him out to the kinsman redeemer. He brought him to his table, to a pasture. He's bringing him out of the grave. He sent you and I to tell these. And it actually means this. I love it because I'm from country. Fetch him home. Isn't that good? So he can sit at his table, in his house, and enjoy fellowship with him. Not keep living in the grave. He sent to fetch him. Now you have verse 6, number of man. Now when Mephibosheth, that's his name, Mephibosheth. Well, what does Mephibosheth mean, Greg? I'm glad you asked. It means the dispeller of shame or the dispeller of Baal. Listen, don't be at Baal's table. Who's Baal? Oh, Beelzebub, Lord of the Flies. He's the, the one that's trying to kill us, the devil. A dispeller of Baal. And it means exterminating the idol, right? We're getting rid of Ziba, the statue, the idol, the liar. Mephibosheth comes, why? The son of Jonathan, the grace of God, the son of Saul, desired, had come to David, beloved. He fell on his face and prostrated himself. Listen to me. When you come to God, you fall on your face. You wash his feet with your hair. You anoint his walk because you know who you are when you come before the king. Here with a physical king, a type of Christ. He's on his face prostrated, which is worshiping. Then David said, uh, you dispeller of Baal to Mephibosheth. And he answered, here is your servant. Notice now he's becoming new. Now he's saying, I'm your servant. Listen to me. Because Ziba's still servant of Saul. Mephibosheth has come and called the king and says, I'm your servant. Now he has a choice. Am I really going to serve him? Or am I just saying it so he won't kill me? Is it his kindness and his goodness and his grace that's brought me to repentance? Or do I just want to hand out? That's, not, that's six. This is our position, our place, the number of man. As we're to say, here I am. We're supposed to be, here's your servant. Martha's serving by the power of the Holy Spirit. Seven, this is what Christ would say to you. It's what the king says. So David said to him, do not fear. I will surely show you kindness and goodness 
for grace's sake, Jonathan, your father, that's our covenant, and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Now listen, inheritance is given back, coming to the king and serving him, saying, I'm your servant. Here I am at your table. I was sold into slavery. I know my kinsman is God, and, and I'm down here eating these cow patties, prodigal son, and now I come back and I tell you I'm your servant, and he says, I'm going to show you grace. Do not fear. Listen, this is the king saying, do not fear. You don't have to fear anymore because you've come to the Lord's table. You've come to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. This is what God would say to you. And then if you are being sanctified and you have a new beginning, verse 8 says, Then he bowed himself and said, What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? Are you kidding me? Listen, Mary means their rebellion. Martha means she was rebellious. You have to remember where you come from and know who you are and know there's nothing good that dwells in the flesh. And it's really interesting because, see, David said this same thing. When Saul was chasing him, he said, why would you come out here to look for a dead dog like me? You're the king. Why would you search out a dead dog like me? David come down and took our place. Excuse me, Jesus did. David's a type. And the enemy, Saul, the Antichrist, is chasing us in the wilderness. And you can be free by coming to the Lord's table and supping with him and recognizing who you are and surrendering to the work of the Holy Spirit. You can eat at his table continually. You don't have to go back into the grave. You can keep walking with him because you've anointed his feet as your life. But it's interesting uh, that... That the word here, of course, um, dead, <laughs> it's M-U-T, which is what we call dogs now, mutts. It's, okay, all, all, all outspokenness, I'll tell you, it's m- pronounced mutt. No H on the end, but it looks like mutt to me. I'm just a normal, simple guy. I'm freaking out. My brain's going to pop dead dog but dog is Caleb anybody know where I'm going it's where Caleb got his name Caleb and Joshua was the only two that crossed the Jordan together because they believe God's report Joshua is the Hebrew for Jesus Jehovah is salvation. Who crosses with him? Caleb, the dog. The one who recognizes he doesn't deserve it. He's a mutt. He's a cur dog. He's not righteous. But because I'm with Jesus, I get to go into the promised land. He's the one leading me in. I'm with him. So since you're with him, you're righteous. So Caleb is where this comes from. Caleb comes from this word Caleb. I think it's amazing. I don't know if you guys are getting anything out of it. It means to yelp or a male prostitute. See, we were prostituting ourselves in the world. We were living 
separated from God when we're supposed to be married and sold to him, bought by the precious blood of Jesus. So let me finish this. What's he do? It's eight, new beginning, bows himself, and he realizes he's nothing but a dead dog. And the king called to Ziba, the, the idol, the statue, the station, Saul's servant. Notice that's still his title. He hasn't surrendered. He hasn't become the servant of the king. The king knows that. And said to him, I have given to your master's son all that belonged to Saul and all his house. See, he won back the title deed. Christ defeats and takes everything back from the devil. The devil has no power except when he lies to you and you believe him instead of believing God and walking by faith. Verse 10, you therefore, because of all of this, you therefore and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him and you shall bring in the harvest that your master's son may have food to eat. See, God will provide for you in every way possible, and he'll allow the world to do it. He'll take that from the unrighteous and give it to the righteous. It'll make its hand, way into the hands of the righteous if you need it. He'll provide for all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Stop serving the world. Let the world serve you. But, Notice this, contrast, Mephibosheth, the dispeller of Baal, the one who despises and gets rid of and stops listening to and dispels Beelzebub and begins to listen to the voice of God and eat at his table. Your master's son shall eat bread at my table always. This is God, or the king declaring this. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord the king has commanded his servant, so will your servant do. Liar. And for, as for Mephibosheth, said to the king, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micaiah. And all who dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants of Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually at the king's table, and he was lame in both his feet. Notice we're reminded that he had been smitten, he had been stricken. But now he's eaten at the king's table. Where are you eating at? Where are you eating at? Are you eating at the king's table? By the power of the Holy Spirit, are you spending time in the Word of God, eating the bread of God? Because He knocked on the door, and you opened the door, and you heard His voice, and you walked out of the grave, and you're following Him. You've anointed His feet. The fragrance of life is in you as you go about witnessing. Well, see, there's a choice you can make. See, you can live for death culture, or you can live plotting to give life. Chapter 10 tells us about death culture again. It happened after that, after this, that the king of the people of Ammon died. 
Amon is tribal or inbred. If you remember, Lot slept with his daughter and had two children, Amon and Moab. They became the Ammonites and the Moabites. God still reaches out his hands of fellowship. Look at this. And Hanan, his son, reigned in his place. Hanan means gracious, favored, whom God pities. Listen, listen, even those that are inbred, even those that you say, well, I'm even lower than a dog. God offers kindness. Watch it happen. Then David said, I will show kindness, goodness to Hanan, the son of Nahash, at his father's and, and or excuse me, as his father showed kindness to me. Now listen, Nahash means serpent or snake. Again, somebody who was serving the serpent, serving the snake. And God's showing kindness and goodness and graciousness to them. So David sent by the hand of his servants to comfort. You got a comforter coming. Him concerning his father and David's servants came into the land of the people of Ammon and the princes. Princes are czar. It's Hebrew for czar. It's the head persons, the rulers, the stewards of this kingdom. Of the people of Ammon said to Hanan, their Lord, do you think that David really honors your father because he has sent comforters to you? Has David not rather sent his servants to you to search the city, to spy it out, and to overthrow it? See, do you really think that that's what's going on? That God's your enemy? That he's trying to overthrow you? He's trying to save you. He's not trying to keep you from getting uh, other stuff and from being like God as the devil would lie and tell Eve. He's coming to comfort you. He's coming to save you. He's coming to grace you. He's coming to let you eat at his table and become adopted into his family by the Spirit of God. But there's going to be some czars and some leaders and, and principalities and powers and a spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places that are going to lie to you and say he's holding out on you and this other stuff is more fun and I should go back into the graveyard and try to get as much as I can now because he who gets the most toys wins. Therefore, Hanan, whom God pities, the grace of God was offered to, the comfort was given, took David's servants, shaved off half of their beards, cut off their garments in the middle at their buttocks, insulting, shaming, and sent them away rejected the comfort of God, rejected the, the kindness of the king, rejected salvation. When they told David, he sent to meet them because the men were greatly ashamed. And the king said, wait at Jericho. <laughs> now, Jericho means it, it's moon or city of the moon or what? Fragrant place. <laughs> I didn't even have time to bring Song of Solomon in. And fragrance is used about eight times in that book. And it's all about us and the fragrance that we have after meeting Christ. Anyway, but Jericho can mean fragrant place until your beards have grown and then return. When the people of Ammon, the inbreds, the ones that were pitied by God but given grace and a chance to come to the comforter, saw that they had made themselves repulsive, or stank, 
You guys ever been down in southern Indiana at Stank Creek? Gnawbone? Stank. I like the word stank. They stink. See, there's a fragrance you can have. It can be the stink of death or it can be the fragrance of life. There's a culture you can follow. There's a place you can live. There's a place you can eat. You can eat at Bell's table or God's table. And if you reject the comfort, the goodness, the kindness of God who's coming to, to bring you out because he pities us, because he loves us, you're going to stank like death. But you can have the fragrance of life through the Holy Spirit. It means offensively morally. Because the only way we can be righteous is by receiving Christ and God's right hand of fellowship. As he knocks on our door and he says, I, Behold, I stand and knock. If you'll hear my voice and open the door, I'll come into you and dine with you and you with me. A meal, a fellowship dinner, reclining at the table with God. Are you kidding me? How did we get in your house? We are nothing but dogs. So what did they do? They went out and said, oh, we'll do this on our own. We got some money. So the people of Ammon sent and hired Syrians. Really? Syrians? That's where we're at battle at right now. Getting ready to come in from the northern border upon God's people, Israel, his firstborn, of Beth Rehob. I didn't look these up because we got to keep moving and get back to our text and close this out. And the Syrians of Zobah, not just Syrians over here, but he got them in a couple different places. 20,000 foot soldiers from the king of Makkah, 1,000 men from Ishtu, 12,000 men. Now when David heard of it, he sent Joab and all the army of mighty men. Then the people of Ammon came out and put themselves in battle array at the entrance of the gate, the door. And the Syrians of Zobah, Beth Rehob, and Ishtab, and Makkah were by themselves in the field. When, and anyway, there, there's a battle, and they get destroyed. Um, and then the Syrians were afraid to help anymore. About 33,000 men were hired. I just wanted you to see that you have a choice in coming out of the grave or staying in the grave. You have a choice in receiving the kindness and the goodness of God. You have a choice... A choice. And you can hire the world. You can run out and chase this stuff. And you can fight a battle against God and reject Him. Cut, they cut their beards off in their garments? How's your wedding garment going? See, that's what the Holy Spirit's doing right now is adorning us. Remember we talked about it last week where the master of the ceremony comes in and there's a guy sitting in the wedding thing and he has no garment on. And he's cast out where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth because he hasn't been plotting life. He hasn't been plotting his own sanctification. He hasn't been plotting the washing and cleansing with the water of the word and being prepared by the Holy Spirit to be the bride of Christ and meet him at the wedding supper table in heaven, the banquet that we'll be at. It's coming soon. All you had to do is believe. Even the man on the cross with Jesus changed his mind. If you read all of the gospel, all of the testimony, both men were railing on Jesus. One changed his mind. He turned and he began to speak differently, act differently. 
And he said, do not forget me, Lord. And he says, I assure you, today you'll be in paradise with me. It's a change of your heart. It's a change of your direction. It's a change of your plotting. You've been trained all your life to plot and, and eat death culture. But now the table of life has been set before you in the presence of your enemies. And it's all laid out. And all you have to do is receive it and begin to sup with him. King James word. Dine. New King James. Sup. Means to eat. Be reclined at the table. Where are you at? See, because those who are coming out of the grave are in the house. They're worshiping. They're sitting at the feet. Notice the newborn one on milk. Where's Lazarus at? The one whom God helped. He was one of those who sat at the feet of or at the table with Jesus. He's sitting there with the meal. He's on milk. Where's Martha? She's cooking a meal. She's serving. She stopped complaining. She's serving now because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Where's Mary? She's still sitting and choosing that worship of Jesus. And not only choosing it, but she's realizing she's nothing but a dog and that there's none righteous. And she's realizing that, that Jesus is king and she's taking this oil of spikenard costly oil listen another text i don't think this one oh this text does tell us yeah i didn't read it yet 300 denarii a denarii was a day's wage listen and they only worked about 300 days a year because they didn't work on holy days and they didn't work on sabbath so that's like a whole year's wages well what's it what is it what is oil of spikenard what's it for where did she get this flask what's going on you guys with me here you guys wake See, they didn't embalm like we embalm today when people die. So what they would do, not like the Egypt did. Egypt wrapped people up real tight with one bandage, but they would wrap loosely and put oil and myrrh and aloes on them and wrap the body, head separately, head separately. They would wrap the body with this fragrant oil so you couldn't smell the stench of death. What's Mary doing? Their rebellion. What's Mary doing? See, you would take all your life you were saving for your burial. You know, some people pre-plan and they've got their plot bought and they've got everything done and they're pre-planning their death to pay for it so somebody else doesn't. This is a whole year's wages of oil and she's like, wait, I know Jesus. I'm out of the grave. I'm not going to die. I'm going to put it on his feet. I'm going to choose his life and live forever. And she comes and anoints it and begins to wash it with her hair. She's all in completely. She doesn't need it because she's the fragrance of life. Because she's been sitting at the feet. And because she's been sitting at the feet, now her sister Martha's learning. That, that Listen, she chose the good thing, Martha. That's what Jesus said to her when she was complaining. She's shown the goodness. She's shown the kindness. She's chose to follow me and eat at my table and be at my feet. And now because of that, your brother's even sitting here. Whom God helped. The question is, is what are you plotting for? Are you plotting to get the most toys because you win? Because you're really plotting your own grave when you don't have to die. 
I am the resurrection and the life today. If you believe that, you'll never die. But if you believe that, you have to listen to my first word, which was repent. Quit eating at Baal's table and come eat at my table in my house because you're a part of my family and you have life. You won't be needing those burial plans. You won't be needing to do what the world calls logical. Oh, it's only logical to prepare your own stuff so nobody else has to deal with it. You know, the word logical comes from logos. The only thing logical is to hear his counsel, to hear his instruction, to receive it so that you can be wise later in life. This is a growing, a sanctification, a becoming like, a metamorphosis, learning to walk in the newness of life because we're at his table eating, because we're learning to make him a meal and set the table because of who he is, because we realize that we are nothing but dogs, unrighteous. No, not one that is righteous. And it's all because of the grace of God. And you can choose it or you can choose to cut your garment off and live in the world and reject the comfort of God. See, most Christians, they might believe in Jesus. Most people in the church, they might believe in Jesus. But where are they at? They're hanging out at Jericho at the beginning. Do you know what happened? Remember, you guys just were just with me on Friday night, our last Friday night. What happened at Jericho? The same place they started, they ended up at the end, the nation of Judah. They started at Jericho with victory. They ended at Jericho with Nebuchadnezzar putting Zedekiah's eyes out and carrying them away captive because they didn't obey God in the land. They didn't eat at his table. They continued to eat at Baal's table. Even though we've been invited to come out of the grave, plot life instead of plotting Jesus' death with death culture, whose voice are you listening to? Listen, we need to anoint Jesus' walk, his feet, everything that he did. He is the Lord of lords. He's the King of kings. You can give him everything. You can surrender completely. And then wash his feet with your hair. That's what grows out of the strength and the power of your head. That's what grows out of a relationship. Remember that? Remember Anybody, anybody else old like me? Okay, got a few hands go up with the OLD. No, I remember songs, and I remember these songs, and I'm like, what is the devil telling us through these secular songs? He reveals the lies of the pit. And there was a song we used to listen to. What was it? When I was a younger man, I hadn't became, fooling around, painting the town, growing my, growing myself. I'm growing my own head. I'm growing my own hair. And what does Samson think his power's in? I mean, these things are serious. They're there for a reason. We got to understand the gospel and dig in and eat at his table. Your strength is in Christ. Your strength is in surrender. Your strength is in his word because of who he is. You cross over and you get your inheritance because of who you're with. Not because of what you're doing, but if you're with him, I guarantee you, you'll be doing because what is it? Ephesians 2, 8, new beginning. Not by works, or excuse me, by faith we have been saved. That not of ourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. 
Did I get that right? Because I haven't quoted that verse in so long. 2.10 is what I've been quoting. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that we should walk in them. How are you going to do that? You're going to have to anoint his feet because you can't walk in nothing apart from the Holy Spirit. You can't do nothing apart from the Holy Spirit. You can't be nothing but in the grave apart from the Holy Spirit. Where are you at? What are you plotting? You're plotting Jesus' death with those that are trying to save their place in their country? They're all on the same team. They're all on the same team. Listen to me. Whose house are you in? Saul's house? You want to be Ziba? Ziba's going to die. Ziba's going to lie. Ziba's going to try to cheat Mephibosheth out of his inheritance. Worship at his feet in prayer. Learn to be dependent upon him. And there'll be the fragrance of oil of the Holy Spirit, newness of life in your house. Now let's look at the contrast. But, that was the first three verses. Guess what? Trinity, first three verses. But, somebody else has got to get up in there and get in your business. Ziba, Ziba telling a lie. Watch this. But one of his disciples, now don't miss this. Listen to me. That word disciple is his learner, his pupil, one of his followers. It's somebody that's there, right there. Everybody thinks he's a follower because he looks just like everybody else. But his actions, the word of God actually shows the intents of his heart, his actions, what he does, what he says, his selfishness. Everything is going to show the intents of his heart. Watch this. Judas Iscariot. Anybody named their kid Judas lately? Judah. It's a great name. Judas. He shall be praised. Iscariot means men or inhabitants of Kirioth. Men of the city. Instead of men of God. Men of the city. You know, he was the only Hebrew. He's the only one that went to Hebrew high. Simon's son Simon means rock or stone. Who would betray him? What an epitaph. Every time your name is mentioned, you become a betrayer because there's no loyalty. A betrayer pursuing the grave, pursuing money, pursuing this life, pursuing a career instead of pursuing souls. Listen, you can have a career. You can have a, you can have a physical life down here, but is it live for Jesus? Is he Lord? Are you trusting him? Do you believe him? Look what he says. This is what the Antichrist says. Listen, this is what the betrayer says. Hold out for the word of God of what Jesus says. But the betrayer says, why? Why am I anointing these feet? Why am I anointing God's feet? Why am I believing in Jesus? Why? Wake up, church. This is what the other voice is saying. The liar, the deceiver, the one who's going to betray him for 30 pieces of silver says, why? Notice the others, they're just surrendering. They're not questioning. They're not complaining. They're not grumbling. They're supping. They're serving. They're anointing. They're plotting life. 
Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 years wages of denarii and given to the poor? We should be taking care of the poor. Where does that come from? Be careful. We are to take care of the poor. Don't, don't get me wrong. With wisdom, with God's counsel. I got poor somewhere here on this thing. Poor means a beggar, a pauper, someone asking for alms. Sold means to dispose of as merchandise or into slavery. Remember sold? You guys remember what happened in sold? That's where Mephibosheth come from. The betrayer wants you to be sold back into slavery. Instead of sitting at the table of God. Instead of enjoying the word of God. But listen, the Holy Spirit tells us, a denarii is a pence, by the way, containing ten a day's wage. And it should have been yielded up to or given to or ministered to the poor through it. But notice what the Word of God does. We talked about this, Hebrews 4.12. It's living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to divide the bone and the marrow and the soul and the spirit. And what? It is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So right now the Holy Spirit is telling us about Judas and the thoughts and intents of his heart. Listen, the evidence of what you're doing in life right now is telling the thoughts and intents of your heart. Not to be mean to you, but to say, hey, wake up, wake up. You're not living and being sanctified and transformed and listening to the right voice. You're listening to the spirit of Antichrist, someone who would betray you and lead you back. You're listening to Ziba instead of sitting at the king's table and enjoying the truth of God's word because you're still complaining and grumbling and accusing and the word of god actually says verse what is it verse six i'm just checking verse six the number of man this he said god tells you why you said it oh i said that i was trying to help when i started gossiping about their marriage i was trying to help when i started talking about that no the word of god tells you what you were doing the thoughts and intents of your heart this he said not that he cared for the poor. He didn't have any, any interest, any concern for the poor. But what was it? He was a thief. It's, it's, it's the word kleptus. It's where we get kleptomaniac. He was a stealer because he come to rob, kill, and destroy. He was part of Saul's kingdom. He was part of the Antichrist kingdom. He was a betrayer. He was listening to the wrong voice. He wasn't listening to Jesus. He only had self in mind. Listen to me. If all you have is self in mind, you are part of this because you're going to look at everything about what I can get out of it instead of trying to give life away to others. Instead of plotting for life, you're going to be plotting for death, and it's your death that's going to happen. It's you that's going to stay in the misery instead of at God's table enjoying rest and service. 
and anointing his feet, understanding that we're nothing but dogs. Who am I? He was a thief. I mean, the Holy Spirit's telling us what was going on while he was trying to get that oil to make money to do what? To put it in the money bag. Why, Greg? Because he used to take what was put in it. They trusted him. They go, oh, let's trust him. I mean, listen, when we get to chapter 13, you're going to see that Judas gets up from the table and nobody believed that he was going out to betray Jesus. They thought he was going to buy some more supplies. He was one of the disciples. He was walking. He was casting out demons. He was doing all these things. And he's going to get to heaven and say, Lord, Lord. And he's going to say, I never knew you. You weren't eating at my table. You weren't in my family. You were doing your own thing. You were chasing your own thing. You were running around doing your own thing, growing your head. You're trying to make a name for yourself. You're listening to the wrong voice. You weren't coming out of the grave. Listen, and the thing is, is that God's already spread the table out and he's given us a choice, but it's a free will choice that he'll never force on you that everything is there for life and godliness. And yet we keep going back into the grave and we don't want other people to know about it so we don't come out in fellowship so that they can take off the grave clothes as we get into the word of God and we're equipped to go out and be a witness that we are eating at the king's table. I don't care what you're saying. I'm eating at the king's table. Kill me. I'll go be with him. Oh, but we got to be afraid. No, we don't have to be afraid. That's what the enemy wants you to do, to shut up. And I'm telling you right now, be careful for the be careful over the people that are not taking off of AI. Be careful the people that are all converging together telling you the same story. And it does not line up with the testimony of what God is doing. Why in the world would they take a little preacher that's got a few sheep over in Williamsport, Indiana off the Facebook? Who am I influencing? Who is listening and in, being influenced? Listen, they want to kill everybody that will testify of Jesus. I'm not trying to point at myself. I could care less. I'm going to keep living for Jesus, keep telling you guys that show up here. I'm going to be faithful to what he called by his grace because of who he is, because I know who I am. I'm a wretch. But I've been saved by grace. And his spirit's in me. And the word of God reveals what's going on on our planet, people. You don't have to listen to the liar, to Ziba, to the Antichrist, to the devil, to these lying politicians. You don't have to get involved in that physical fight. What you're called to do is to go and make disciples. The ministry of reconciliation of souls. And it's only going to happen when you bow down and anoint his feet and get at his feet and say, your walk, what you did when you was here, has saved my soul. And I want to serve you. I am your servant. I'm nothing but a dog, but I'll take whatever you have. And I want to eat at your table. Prepare me for the wedding supper of the Lamb. I, we don't want him to come in and go, where's your wedding garment at? When it's freely given and all you have to do is take off your garment and put on his. What are you plotting today? 
I'm using that word on purpose because that's what they did when they plotted death. But you need to be plotting life. If you don't have a plan to plot life, like getting into the word, prayer, and fellowship, confessing your sin, and, 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 and asking for counsel, and asking God for His word, and surrendering, and knowing that there's a bunch of voices out there that are lying. If you don't have a plan, then you're under the sway. Because God's plan will always stand. There's no wisdom or counsel against His plan. And His plan is that you might have life and that more abundantly and you eat at His table for the rest of eternity and be married back in because you're a kinsman of God. The kinsman redeemer marries you back into the family. That's why He came. That's His plan. Always. But it's free will. See, He already had angels serving Him. He wants us to freely choose His love because He first loved us. And to recognize that there's nothing in us good. He wants us to be empty vessels and He fills us with His water. He fills us with His fragrance. He fills us with who He is because we freely come and eat at His table. Not that we want to get 300 denarii so we can get our hands on it and buy something because we're stealers, kleptos. We can't do nothing but steal. That's the, that's the thief that comes to rob, kill, and destroy. Listen, that was six. That was the testimony of Judas. What's seven? The Word of God. What's seven? What saves us? The Word of God. What's seven? The one who completes us. Look, but Jesus said. Here's the difference, guys and gals. Jesus said. Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and he who follows me shall not walk in darkness. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection and the life. What did Jesus say? Let her alone. See it? She has kept this for the day of my burial. Are you, what are you doing to celebrate Jesus' burial? Oh, yay, he got up. Resurrection. Isn't that amazing? I don't even think she knew what she was doing completely. I don't even think she does. Just like Caiaphas, he's over here prophesying that one has to die. He's talking about so they can keep it. He's not the real high priest. But I don't know that she knows exactly what she's doing completely. But you know what? She's making the right choice. She's been sitting at his feet and now she's being led by him. She's saying, I don't need this. I'm going to give it all to him. And she takes what she's been planning to die with and be buried with. So she won't stink. And she trades it for the fragrance of Christ. She trades it for his fragrance, for his love, his joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. A whole year's wages, her whole life's wages. Because you are going to get wages at the end of your life. And the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What are you plotting today? Verse 8. Listen, new beginning about poor people. New beginning about life. New beginning. Wisdom is being given. For the poor you have with you always, but you do not have me always. But me you do not have always. 
Now listen, before you go, oh, there's a contradiction in the Bible. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Listen, he's talking about physically right now because he's going six days before Passover. He's going to the grave. She's preparing him for the grave. What are you preparing for the grave? Your own soul? Listen, poor, we want to take care of the poor, but you gotta, you got to have some discernment. New beginning here, guys. It was time to prepare Jesus for the Passover. It's, it's time to prepare people. You feed them a meal because they're poor. What if they're just lazy? What if they're liars like Judas? You need the wisdom of God in this. He's saying right now is not the time to sell that. That was for my burial. So you have to put his burial first. You have to put his feet first. You have to put his counsel first. You have to put his word first. Or you're only helping poor people to go to hell. If you're not putting Jesus first in everything. But the poor, they are always going to be here. And the government loves to dominate the poor. But you don't have to be poor in spirit. You don't have to be lost. You don't have to be deceived. You don't have to listen to the confusion. You can choose to eat at Jesus' table. But notice the Holy Spirit gave us all the commentary on Judas. Notice that God clarified what he was doing. Notice the new beginning on the poor. Who is the poor? Where are the poor at? Which poor is God really worried about? The poor in spirit? Those that are going to die and go to hell? Yes, the reconciliation of souls. Do we want to let somebody starve? No. We don't want to let anybody starve. We don't want to let anybody go unclothed. But look at the upside downness of our country right now. Look at the, look at the Judas, the, 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 the Antichrist spirit. Look what they're doing. They want to make people poor and dependent upon them. And they say it's going to save their nation. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Don't get involved in it. Tell people about Jesus. Tell him to get coming to his table and eat. Tell him he's knocking at the door. Tell him he's died for them and rose again. Verse 9. More commentary. Now a great many of the Jews knew that he was there. And they came not for Jesus' sake only but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. Listen, your testimony means something. People want to see. They watch. They're looking. How are you going to finish? Are you plotting death or plotting life? It's not about starting. It's about finishing. And if you hear the counsel of God and receive instruction, you'll be wise in your last days when it's preparing you for the storm of tomorrow. Because there's a storm coming. And if you're building on sand, you're going to hear, be away from me, I never knew you. But if you're building on the rock, you're going to be wise in those latter days. 
You're going to be ready for the battle. You're going to be telling people about Jesus and eating at his table. And you're going to be growing and anointing his feet and making sure people see his walk, not your walk. His testimony, not you. See, these people are coming to be spectators too. You can imagine it's a, it, it can turn into a circus show if you're not careful. If it becomes about Lazarus and not about Jesus. And that's the direction it's going with our rock star pastors and all these people that are in our churches today. They're not coming for Jesus' sake only. Notice the divided heart. Now they want to also see Lazarus. Be careful with that. Why are you coming? Are, why are you coming? So that you can be equipped and go out and, and be a witness about Jesus? What are you talking about after you dine at his table? I, 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 me, 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 him, 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 or Jesus. They don't even mention the name in most sermons anymore. Even the songs we sing don't mention his name. And there's salvation in no other name but in the name of Jesus. Be careful. Be, be careful also your complaints and your butts and what you're saying about what's going on in the ministry if you're doing nothing. Why'd they do that? Why'd they add that? Why'd they build that? Why are they doing that? We could have done this. Be careful with that. Especially if you're not getting your knees dirty. Be very careful with that. It's only going to bitter your heart and destroy your heart. It probably will not hurt the ministry at all especially if it's the ministry of the Holy Spirit, it won't touch it. But it'll sure hurt, harden your heart toward authority. And everything in this world is about coming back underneath the authority of God and His Word, what He said. Notice what He said. Leave Him alone. Leave her alone. Leave my church alone. The devil can't touch us unless God gives him permission. He's not going to give him permission it's you that gives him permission when you believe his lie because you're not spending time at the word of God, at the table of God, eating the bread of God. We better close. So what happens when they come to see Lazarus? People get mad. Verse 10, perfect completion. But the chief priest, notice that's plural. Notice with me it's plural. There's only supposed to be one high priest. It's really Annas, but now there's Annas and Caiaphas. Because somebody replaced him. There's only supposed to be one high priest. That's Jesus. He's the high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. No beginning and no end. Don't replace him with somebody else and make them head of your life. I just what, Let me call them and see what they say about it. Counsel maybe. But don't forget to pray first. Don't forget to make Jesus your high priest. We enter in the veil because of Jesus. We come boldly to the Father because of Jesus. We, he's our kinsman. Not because of some man. Well, my pastor says that it means, what does God say it is? You want to walk around practicing false doctrine because your church believes something that was indoctrinated by some guy you didn't know 200 years ago that said it? and it doesn't line up with the Word of God, and you're going to hold on to that and, and, and fight over that and be divisive about that when the Word of God clearly doesn't say that? we got to wake up in the church, people. We want to listen to the Holy Spirit. 
Many as are led by the Spirit of God, what are they? These are the children of God at the table of God, eating bread with Him. So what do they do? The chief priests, there's more than one, now they're plotting again. They were plotting. They took counsel among themselves. They left God out. Now they're plotting to do what? To kill whom God helped. They're plotting to kill Lazarus. To put him to death also. So it started, but here's their wisdom. One's got to die so we can save our place in the nation. Wait a minute. Two's got to die so we can... Wait a minute. They all got to die. Listen, if you're coming out of the grave following Jesus and listening, death culture is going to come get you. And you might not recognize it because it's everywhere. It's the spirit of this age. It's the spirit of Antichrist. Yeah, well, they're over there. We'll leave them alone. They're okay. They're just... It's coming to get you. They mock you. They're awake. You're the one that's supposed to be asleep. So, one who come out of the grave becomes a witness. He becomes a testimony. He becomes a life sitting at the table with God. And then he becomes someone that has to be killed and silenced. Why, Greg? Verse 11. Because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. Are you kidding me? If we don't kill him, they're all going to turn to him. Yeah, that's, what, that's why he came. That all would come to salvation. All would come to repentance. Why are you going to kill his witnesses? Because they're believing in Jesus. Ministry of reconciliation of souls. There should be evidence. There should be a life. People should be curious. How did you come out of the grave? How did you stop living in the pit? How did you walk in the newness of life? Dining at the table with Jesus. Listening to his counsel. Oh, not perfectly. None of us can. But we're trying to be at his table. We're coming and learning to be doers and not hearers only. Why? Because we're plotting life, not death. We understand that there's one out there trying to rob, kill, and destroy us. So we're purposely plotting and planning to follow Jesus and be led by His Spirit and understand His Word. And we're owning it and telling others about it. What about you? Because of Lazarus, because of whom God helped... Many of the Jews went away. They left the religious system. They left the lying authority of the day. They left those who were only looking for their self-power, their own place, their own pomp, their own way of power. They quit listening to their voices on the mediums, on the TV, on the channel, whatever it is they're at, where you're listening at, and they begin to plot and plan to hear the voice of God and be led out of this world, out of this grave, out of this pit, and have fellowship with God. Ministry of Reconciliation of Souls. What are you believing in? Actually, in the King James, it's on, not in. They believed on his sacrifice. They believe on his life. They believe on his word. They believe on him. 
which is interesting. What's your plotting today? What's your planning today? Where's your heart today? What are you coveting? Is there evidence of it? Close with Ephesians 4, and we'll be done. I just want you to see this. 4.28. Where am I at? Galatians? Oh, 4.28. Listen to this. Just a simple 428. Let him who stole still no longer. Judas was a thief. He was a stealer. The enemy comes to rob, kill, and destroy. But rather, let him labor, working with his hands what is good. Nothing good but God. And the work that he's called. He, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that we should walk in them that he may have something to give him who has a need. Listen to me. What are you giving others? What are you giving to the body of Christ? See, we lived our life stealing. We lived our life taking. We lived our life wanting, selfishly. But now we need to do our part in the body of Christ, be equipped and go out in the work of the ministry of reconciliation of souls and give back life. Plot to live life. And the way you start is get in the word, prayer, and fellowship. You surrender. You choose to die because he called you out of the grave and you heard his voice and you're following him. And you don't do it out of religion. You do it by the power of his spirit. He's got a plan for your life. And you should plot to find it and follow it and share it with others. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for calling us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Help us proclaim your praises. Lord, give us a desire to be at your table and to stop running back into the grave, to stop plotting our own death to stop sinning against our own soul. Thank you, Lord, that you've paid forever the sin debt and you want us to walk away from the power of sin and have the power of your spirit in our life. Not a form of godliness that denies the power, but your power leading our life, your oil of gladness, your fragrance, because we've been dining at your table hearing your voice. Teach us, Lord, to serve. Teach us, Lord, to eat at your table. Teach us to worship you in spirit and truth. We anoint you today, Lord. We anoint your feet, your walk, your perfection, your kingdom. Have your way with us, Lord, lest we perish. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. 
If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Because I